Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to Cosmic Reality. It is March 21st, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. Um, they both say that they're doing really well, but I'll ask them again. <laughs> How you doing there, Walter? Hello, Hello there. Hello there. Uh-oh. 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 Here's my Here's voice. my voice. I heard Dolly, I heard too. Dolly too. Definite, Definite echo. echo. Welcome to, Welcome Echo, to Town. Echo Town. You've still got the Echo? Yep, yep. All right, I'm turning my mics off talk so you can see if it goes away. Okay. Okay. Um, um, hi, everybody. We just have little issues now, um, technically. Hey, it went away, Nancy. It went away. Yay. So there's the answer. We have to get rid of Nancy. <laughs> she's the one producing it (laughs) well I guess you can take over now though I'm not a producer type I'm more of an innocent bystander (laughs) innocent I heard that word (laughs) well the weird thing is we had it in the Shanghai show but then after a few minutes I said, I'm going to leave that mic open and see if it's still echoing. Nobody reported it was echoing, and I never turned it off again for the rest of the show. I so, didn't hear an echo, Nancy. No, oh, where's the echo yeah. coming? In the beginning of the shows. Yeah. It's well, so- that must be when the spies are checking in. That's what I think, too. So, who knows? Um, so, Der- Derek. <laughs> yes, Derek. Dolly. <laughs> You said you had a list, so let's go to your list. Yes, I do. Well, uh, we were talking about your uh, porch uh, before we went on air so we could continue to do that because I have questions about it. Okay, so let me give a little, (laughs) because he's out there working now. Yeah. I really what I need to do is I need to go out there and give him a hand because he's putting in the last window. Um, So basically what it is is that I started out with a simple porch and then he got involved in it and he had a grander scheme of things. So he's doing it. I I mean, at one point I was almost screaming at him. You're not listening to me. And I thought this is the stupidest person I've ever met. But I think what happened was that sometimes you get into a project because you need to have an outlet for your own psychological, you know, get your head ready. And so he just was putting it into the to the project, but it's costing me a lot more than I anticipated. But the structure itself is going to be pretty awesome. 
And the weird thing is, is that when I walked out to the front a little bit and I turned around and looked at the, the porch, I said this earlier in the Shanghai show, it was like it had always been there. It's like it needs to be there. I, I, and I can't explain it, except it's, it's much more than just a porch. It's some kind of a metaphysical, maybe somebody put that image out 80 years ago. Because that's when it looks like they put in the foundation. Maybe it's not actually a porch. It's like a bridge into another alternate reality. Walter, it would not surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So let me just check with him. Um, Just keep yourselves busy for a minute. Because if he's still using the saw, he's probably not ready. But I'm going to go peek. (laughs) Because he needs me to hold the window so that he can get it in place. That's all. All right. So you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. Okay, if you be quiet, we can do that. (laughs) Okay. So, can we mention your list? There's your list. It's a secret list only. Oh, no, I got... No, we can talk. Let's see. The Porch, Trump Arrest, uh, Pick of White House, Manifestation Happening Faster, Replace Anger with Love Blankets, and uh, what is this? I saw that uh, Janine drew the cards on the Trump arrest thing. It's actually just it's an operation that he's doing. Something is going to be revealed by him playing that that card. That's exactly what I thought. And I told Russell that this morning. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because according to I don't know what the news is. I don't have television service. But according to Janine, it's like what they are. (laughs) What they're trying to use to the, do this thing, uh, attempting to address them, is something to do with that Stormy Daniels woman. That's something that happened seven years ago. It's like stupid, you know. You're bringing up like the ancient past, just mm-hmm. to. It's like you're fishing. <laughs> it's absolutely asinine. That's what made me <laughs> at the first think. Oh no, this is not real. Because remember how Dave says we're going to have a lot of false flags? Uh-huh. Oops, I wasn't going to say that, those two words, just in okay. case we get her in trouble. Oh, okay. Look, yeah, I'm back. He wasn't quite ready. But I've got a, like a, a short blurb on that particular case. Judge Janine did an interview with the uh, lawyer for oh, Trump. No. So it's only eight minutes, and in that time, I might be able to... To help him there, okay, so you want to okay. hear it? It'll, it gives you a, down, a rundown of what it's yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. All right, sure. eight minutes. Is around the Manhattan Criminal Courthouse in New York City, where the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump, is expected to be indicted as early as tomorrow morning. These unprecedented charges from the state of New York could range from a misdemeanor to a low-level felony derived from a novel legal theory about an alleged payment to a porn star six years ago. But today, in front of that grand jury, the state's key witness, Michael Cohen, was discredited by his own former legal advisor, Robert Costello. Take a look. I just spent two hours or so testifying before the grand jury in downtown Manhattan. And uh, I got my point across, although it was clear to me that the Manhattan DA's office did not want to get to the truth. I need to explain that a little bit. I called them up 
uh, after I saw Michael Cohn on TV stating things that he said he was going to tell the grand jury and had told the grand jury that were contrary to what he told us when we first represented him in April of 2018. So I'm sitting at home watching these lies and I said, I've got to do something about it. I don't represent Donald Trump, but I do stand for justice and I think I have a legal obligation to inform both sides. So that's what I did. So what does this testimony actually mean for the case going forward? In just a moment, we'll review the horrendous track record from New York's leftist, incompetent, Soros-funded, and politically charged District Attorney Alvin Bragg. But first, joining us now with more on what we can expect this week, Trump attorney Joe Tacopina. All right, good evening, Joe. There's so much to talk to you about. I, I find... I find that statement that Bob Costello gave to Tucker within the last few minutes to be stunning, but not so surprising, I guess, in terms of his saying it's clear to me the Manhattan D.A. did not want to get to the truth. What can you tell us about the charges if they're coming and if so, when? You know, Janine, I mean, they're not obviously keeping us in the loop. And, and I've really racked my brains trying to figure out how they could fit that round hole into a square peg or a square peg into the round hole. It's it's mind boggling that we're at this point. This is a case that has, I heard you say novel legal theory, some said. Um, there is absolutely no legal theory that matches the facts here. There's two very important things that happened. This was a settlement like any other settlement, in a, a nuisance settlement, in a, in a claim of, of this matter, where someone's claiming they had a relationship and they were going to go public with it. AKA extortion, by the way, um, but but that's no, nothing more than what this was. It was a settlement made by a lawyer, okay? And the lawyer subsequently um, created invoices and billed the client for much more than that um, and for other things. But understand this, there's two really crucial distinctions here. One, this was paid not with campaign funds, but with personal funds. Right. If President Trump thought this was a campaign um, violation, um, certainly, or something that would fall within the purview of a campaign, it would have been paid with campaign funds. Secondly, and most importantly, the bright line test for personal use, whether it is or is not a campaign donation, is when you have personal funds, you look to see if that payment would have been made irrespective of the candidate's uh, campaign. Here, clearly, the answer is yes, as as even Michael Cohen was had to testify under oath when he pled guilty. Um, that it was done to protect the president and his family from personal embarrassment. So, so it is it's mind boggling that we're at this point. The rule of law is being stretched to pursue a political opponent of this prosecutor and this prosecutor's support system, which is the far left, the George Soros's of the world who, who, who loathe everything Donald Trump. And so they're using a case that by all accounts was was dead on arrival, by all accounts was turned down by every other agency that looked at it. And by this district attorney's office, who had put this in the grand jury two years ago and then withdrew it from the grand jury All right. because so, they didn't find that there was enough to bring a case. All right. So just so we're clear, there is nothing illegal about giving someone money for them to be quiet. It's done every day in the corporate world, in the business world. It's called an NDA. So when they say it was an illegal payment, let's make it clear it was not. That's number one. Number two. The statute of limitations, Joe, has run on this. Plus, 
You've got a Manhattan DA, this Soros-funded prosecutor, who's trying to bootstrap a federal crime when the feds have already said it's not a crime. Is that correct? The feds have said it. Yeah, the feds have said it. The Federal Election Committee has has not ever ruled that this was a violation. They looked at it. As a matter of fact, Bradley Smith, the former chairman of the FEC, said this is in no way, shape or form a crime. Um, that the the facts presented here, coupled with the the laws, are, are don't equate to a crime. Look again, this government official should not be stretching the laws, or should not be taking novel legal theories um, beyond their normal means to get people that they think are unpopular or they don't like or have a political animus towards. I mean, one of the prosecutors from that office left that office and, and decided to write a book in violation of grand jury secrecy laws and, and the canons of ethics and all those other things. But what he said in that book was there were so many pearls in that book for, for President Trump. But one of them was that they despised him so much. He despised him. He would have paid to prosecute Donald Trump. Right. Think about that. We were both prosecutors. I mean, just think about that statement and those implications. And then here's the kicker. They hated the man so much that they were looking for a crime to fit. It's not supposed to be that way in this country. It's not supposed to be where you look for a crime to fit a target that you don't like. You're supposed to get information that gets brought to your attention of a crime, and then you, you hold responsible those parties that you deem committed this crime. That's not what happened here, and it's not what is happening here, and it's unbelievable. And now i got to be honest with you, people on the opposite side of the political spectrum from Donald Trump are coming out saying, what are we doing here? This is, we're going to create a, a, a breakdown in the rule of law in this country and anarchy. It's horrible that a, 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 a prosecutor's office is being used as a weapon against a political opponent. And, and Janine, you know what happened today, I assume. Um, the, the House Judiciary Committee, led by Jim Jordan, sent yes. a very terse, very strong letter to D.A. Bragg's office saying, we want you under oath and we want to understand exactly how this political, as they call the political prosecution, right. Uh, began and when it began, because according to Alan Bragg, a few months ago, he wouldn't have trusted Michael Cohen for anything. I mean, he said there was no world in which he well, could envision well, bringing Joe a case Tecapina, against Donald Why Trump, would anyone Michael trust Cohen. Michael Cohen? The man's been convicted of perjury, lying to Congress. You know, he said for years there was never any problem with with uh, uh, Donald Trump. And now all of a sudden there's a problem. But Joe Tecapina, I must tell you, this is making America a banana republic in terms of our justice system, in terms of the inequity that's going on. So um, it, stay in touch with us and let us know what you hear in this and whether or not this will go forward. But your sense is that it will, Joe? You know, I, I still hold out hope. I really do, Jeannie. I hold out hope that, that some sort of sanity is going to prevail inside of that office. I understand there's a lot of disgruntled employees in the Manhattan DA's office yeah, right well, now. Yeah. I'm hoping, right. holding out hope that justice will prevail. And if that happens, then there will be no charge because it's a case that will die on the vine. This will be a lasting stain on the legacy of that DA's office. So they won't win this case. I promise you that. And you could play this tape back in a year from now. Um, they will not win this case. We will win it on the law. We'll win it on the facts. Wherever we go, we will win this case. All right. Joe Tecapina, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And what did you think of that, Walter? <laughs> <laughs> is that insanity or what? Oh, it's 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 like a comedy skit. It's like a, it's like watching a scene from that movie. Uh, the, it's a wild, wild world. 
from, with all those uh, uh, actors that the movie from the 60s is like that. It's like a comedy skit. Oh God. And that, and the 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 funny thing is, on top of it looking and feeling like a comedy skit, is there is like zero finesse. It's like it's like an like an argument between cavemen. You take rock. No, I hit you with rock. No, you take that. It's like it's like is there any finesse to any of this? Are they like trying to make it, or they're just plain old stupid? It's like. Oh look, on old offense. Let's treat, let's use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do oh, and everybody's scratching their head and, and what <laughs> it's like I crazy guess, people uh, talking <laughs> to crazy people. It's just yeah. Dolly. And they what do you spend think money, for, money this? for this. It's our money, yeah. Well, yeah, New yeah. York's money. But wait, 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 wait. Okay. Oh, oh, echo, echo. Uh, I'll talk over it. When it first came out that I heard they're going to indict Trump, I thought, oh, here we go again. They aren't going to do that. This is a look here. No, look, yeah, look here because we don't want you to look over there. And um, I think there's something going on. There's something big going on that they don't want us looking at right now because they would not threaten to have Trump arrested. There are too many red hats, Trump hats, mega hats. There's too many people. They, would, they wouldn't wait for anything legal. They would just go and prosecute these people uh, in their own ways. They wouldn't need a court. Um, so I'm wondering what's going on? What's really going on in the background? How interesting is this? Um, this is just a just a part in the part in the movie. Well, if you had any doubts about it being a movie, this is really looking like it's a movie. This is stupidity beyond stupidity. There's, yeah, you know, so, I mean, they covered it pretty well, but it's illegal. There's no foundation for it. And the guy, every everybody that wanted to, <clears throat> that looked at it said, no, this is crazy. The guy said, it's crazy, I'm not going to do it, and now he's doing it. And now he's being brought up before Congress. It, it, it's all it's all showmanship. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't be, I mean, nobody can be that stupid. Did you think that they this was going to fly? No. You know? <laughs> no. No it's, way. Yeah, to me, that's, that's what it meant to me. Is that mm. they're, the, whoever's, whoever is the director of the movie is getting more and more brazen explaining the stupidity that this is a show wake up people there's not that many stupid people in the world or that person is the most stupid person and that goes beyond belief you know you got elected to a very prominent position it just doesn't make any sense and everybody that's involved in it is going like this doesn't make any sense it sounds like more and more Janine is accurate in her interpretation of the cards because 
uh, when she asks about this, uh, it, she she gets that Trump is actually Trump is initiating this because he's actually showing something through it. Something it, it, by this action, he's forcing something to be seen, something to be shown. And I agree with her because she says that it's going to be uh, when she, she draws the cards twice because she does, asks two questions. And on, on the second question, she's saying that uh, people have to be detached from the things that are going to come to the surface because uh, a lot of people who believe that somebody was telling the truth about something are going to be sorely mistaken. The, the person was lying. And a lot of people that were actually that we we all thought that they were lying was was actually telling the truth. So there's actually something something big is going to be revealed. A lot of stuff is going to be revealed. So it's beginning to look a lot like that because they're spending a lot of time and energy in in hiding something that's <laughs> unhideable because it's so stupid. Well, Jesse Waters was so funny because he said. You think that Donald Trump does not want to be arrested? Of course he does. It will prove everything he said. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. But it's been uh, postponed. They they, they, uh, are bringing in some new, uh, what do you call it, Uh, witnesses. So it's being the grand jury is now extended. That was today's release. Oh, we got to extend it because we got to we've got some more witnesses. But the surprise witness was a lawyer that went on. He 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 went to the grand jury and said, "I want to testify." So they let him testify, and he was uh, the lawyer for Cohan, the guy that's making the allegations that everybody's freaking out about, and he said. He, he went. It was brilliant the way he was talking about it. He said, <clears throat> "This guy lied to us, his lawyers, something like you know a dozen times, very important things." And he he also said, "We're in a meeting with him, and he says to us, I'm suicidal." And he said he was pacing back and forth and back and forth, and he said he said at least a half a dozen times he said, "I won't go to jail. I won't go to jail." And so the lawyer guy is saying, so if you've got that mindset that you will do anything not to go to jail, couldn't you perjure yourself against Donald Trump? Because he told us on the record that he knew nothing about Trump. He had nothing on Trump. And now all of a sudden he's the state's witness to, to go after Trump. So, yeah, it, I mean, the story is <laughs> the, more, the more people you listen to, the more it becomes, you know, a, a, a comedy. We're watching a comedy now. <laughs> so he went to jail for a lot. Yes, he was. He was brought up on charges and convicted of perjury. Yes, under oath. So he's not, you know. And now to stay out of jail, you think he won't, you know, tell whatever lie you want him to tell? <laughs> he already so- sold his soul. He has no soul left. So of course he'll. He'll do anything right now. Anything. Oh, he's going to pay me money to lie about Trump again? Oh, cool. You'll let, you'll, you'll let me out of jail? You won't put me in jail? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to commit suicide? I mean, come on. 
Oh, dear, dear, dear. I, I, you know, you have to wonder about the people that are on this grand jury. For, for people that might not understand what a grand jury is, what they do is they convene, I think it's 12, uh, of, of the peers of somebody, and then the prosecution presents evidence. But the, the, I think that the defense in most cases can have a representative there, but they're not testifying and there's no defense being put on. What you're trying to do is go to a grand jury and say, <clears throat> if you saw this evidence, would you ask for an indictment? That's what they're asking these people to do, not judge whether or not he's guilty or not, because they haven't seen the defense side. But to judge, is there enough evidence to convict him? So I have to think that I don't think that there's that I see I, they think that juries are stupid. And yet we've seen time and time again where the juries were making right decisions. So I my suspicion is the grand jury is going to say, you people are nuts. We're going home. Bye. See ya. <laughs> you know. Although I think that when they convene grand juries, you hear a whole bunch of different cases. It's not like you're brought in and grand jury from one case. It may be, but normally you you, you get like some. I think it it's three months or something down here in Florida that if you get called to grand jury, your life is on hold for three months while you look at one thing after another. So it uh, it may not be that this is the only case these poor people are sitting through. But, yeah, yeah. So, did we cover that subject? Do you want to give us the next one on your list? Okay, so. Oh, I wanted to finish talking about your man, your your porch builder. Well, he, what I did when we were on the tape is I went out, and he's got to put a screw in this the bottom 2x4 that the window is going to sit on, and I'm holding the window to once he got that in there then i he puts the window up and i hold the window while he gets a screw in the window frame that's what the job was and it was like we've got eight minutes move quickly <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. the first thing that happens is he has trouble getting the, the the screw in that he needs to put the two by four he gets it gets it and then Oh, no. What happened was I said, okay, we, I, I forgot to tell you, we're having the door open out so we don't have to put it so back. So you got to move it up so that it matches the other window. And so now he's got to get and me measure the distance from, you know, where the, the window is going to go now. So he does that. And then he has the problem with the, with the uh, what was it? The, the, so he's, oh, something was away from him. He had to go get something. <laughs> and so and I'm going like eight minutes. How long is eight minutes? You know, and I'm. I'm counting down in my head trying to figure it out. And uh, so then I'm holding the door and he goes to put it in the one side and he can't get it. It's not going in that side. So he does it on the other side. It went in. And all he needed was that one screw to hold the frame in place while he puts a, a, another two by four. And I really should be out there helping him. But he put the he put the big window in without me helping him at all. And I have no idea how he did that. Because he's magical. That's what I want to talk about. Okay. Where, where did you find him? In my backyard. He was in your backyard? <laughs> yes. That's such a Doing point. what? Well, what happened, see, this, this area is really special. In that Flagler, who made a lot of money in the petroleum industry, 
came down and got interested in South Florida. So he's the one that built the railroad and, and actually made it so that you could populate South Florida. Otherwise, you had to come in on ships or a very, very narrow road called Military Road that was a nothing thing. The military used it. So he came in and he started building things. And this area, this this property that I'm living on, was part of his estate. So I don't know what the, the size of the original estate was, but the house that supposedly was the house for the estate is still on three acres. But then there's another six acres that were part of that property that was uh, broken up by inheritance. So they're kind of weird things. They're, they're long, narrow, not too narrow, but narrow and long. Um, and you can only have one house on it. So because of that, it's like living in a park in the center of South Florida, Miami, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. I mean, you know, people look at my property and they go, oh, you must be a millionaire, <laughs> you know, because it's so big. It's not something anybody sees. It's so big that people from the street don't think there's anything on the property. Because the house is off to, to one side of the property and the trees block seeing it most anything of it. And at one point, the trees were so big. I had a ficus out there that was like, oh, my God, it was huge. Uh, you couldn't see the house from the satellites. All you saw were trees. And uh, I just had a, a, a problem with somebody who was working on the electric line and broke my pipe and it cost me money and blah, blah, blah. So I'm saying, pay me back my money that you, you, that I spent fixing, you know, when you did this to me. And uh, they come back to me and they say, uh, it looks like your property is a vacant lot. <laughs> and I said, well, I've been living on this vacant lot for, uh, let's see, 38 years. So why don't you look again? I said, I said, you're looking at Google, aren't you? And, uh, yeah, yes. I said, look at the picture again. There is a house under the trees. You know? And then I got my check. <laughs> but it was like, you know, no. It's, it's, it's such a special property. And the truth of the matter is I wasn't looking for a piece of property. It came to me. I've told the story many times. And you talk because he's doing a little bit of Good. I want to know, how did he get in your yard? That's right. That's what we were talking about. He, yeah. bought, the, he bought the property next to me. Oh. So the first time I ever met him, I was hearing somebody yelling in my backyard. But he was in his yard at the fence yelling to me. And so I went out, and that's when I met him. He introduced me as to the as he just bought that property, and that was five years ago. When he said that, I was like, "Oh no, I can't believe it." But um, he's a builder, and he is he's so excited about what we're doing here because he's understanding really how to build a house that is in, in jeopardy of being flood in a flood zone, and because. Okay, they put that cement thing up, the wall, and what he did was he took these six-by-six six columns and put them so that they're standing on, not standing on it, but he cut out a groove so the corner of the brick is actually holding the wood, and the wood never touches the ground. So it can go through floods and will not rot. 
And, you know, it was like he, he, he discovered he could do this, you know. So now, okay, because he wants to build on his property, but he's having a, a, a bitch doing it for a lot of other reasons. And maybe it's because he needed to know the best construction for this particular area, which is build a column. Build a base, a pedestal of cement, because the other thing is, is that normally they come in and they pour a big slab that now decreases the ability of the land to absorb the water. And every, that's why we're flooding more and more, because they're building more and more. They're taking ground, the surface area so that the water is running in rivers now <laughs> instead of having the areas to to just go seep back down into the aquifer. So, you know, he's learning. And I really am kind of excited for him because if you you set it up right, you can build one of these houses so much less expensive than any other construction that I know of using this landscaping lumber. And it's just a different way of looking at Building, build efficiently so that you don't have to have an outside wall, then insulation, and then an inside wall. The lumber itself is your outside, your inside, and the insulation. I mean, it's just brilliant. And why other people haven't done it? I looked it up on YouTube to see if anybody else had used this stuff to build things. And some people have made like little cabins or maybe uh, a storage area. But it, it's wicked neat looking at something that looks like a log cabin. So, and all you, the upkeep, the upkeep is the thing. Okay, so, you know, you put a waterproof stain on it. And you put the, the silicon between the, where the, where the, think of fence posts. And you're putting them together in between that. And that'll last a good eight years. And then you go and you put another bead on top of it. Period. That's the maintenance. Put another coat of, of of stain on it, weatherproofing stain. There's no upkeep. And the other thing down here is that we have termites bad. You know that, Dolly, probably. Florida is, is got a lot of termite problems. Yeah, our neighbor has trees, big tree uh, that hangs over my property that has is full of termites, but he can't afford $15,000 to have it removed. So, yeah, I know about termites. Well, see, this stuff is pressure treated, and I wouldn't feel comfortable with pressure treating, except I've got shungite. i got shungite all over the place. So the, any of the off-gassing or any of the problems with the copper or something or other, it's a... Uh, uh, Keeps things from rotting. Walt probably know what it is. The copper sulfide, maybe I don't know. But sorry, any, you were asking about what? What they put in wood to make it pressure treated? They put a a, a copper thing in it. It oh, used to mean, be yeah, copper sulfate. Yeah, it's copper. it's it's uh, blue. It's com- yeah. it comes in blue blue crystals. Yeah. So that's in it. They used to use something that was much more toxic. But with uh, with the shungite, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, if I had my dithers, I would probably put it in with the silicon so that it's right, you know. But um, 
I kind of think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've got this dispenser that it's like a, like a, oh, what would you call it? Uh, you know those music boxes that you push together uh, to make a sound? Oh, yeah, accordion. An accordion. It's like that, only it blows powder. And I think I'm going to blow powder in there and then put the silicon on it. And then just... Uh, From the sound know. of it, something's going to blow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now back to this. You met the guy when he moved in. Now, is he part of the Mary, Jesus, and Joseph family? Yes, this is this is uh, Joseph, Jose. Oh, 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 that's why. Oh, yes. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. I got the story. Yeah, because, because when he entered, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so how did you get him to come over and do the porch? Did you ask him, or did he uh, come over and you were talking, and all of a sudden the porch came up? No, I actually asked him if he knew anybody that could help me build it. In other words, I just needed somebody else to do the work. <laughs> I knew so, how to build so it. So, you asked Joseph, who in the Bible, Joseph is a carpenter. You asked the carpenter to come and build your porch that was already there in in some way through someone's thought process or but that porch is supposed to be there and uh you're having it built by joseph the carpenter and then you said he had to do something on a ladder that the or the the pulley thing it wasn't as high as it needed to go but you had to go in the house you came back outside and by george he had that thing up there where he wasn't going to be able to get it with the pulley, right? Yeah, he built the entire frame of the roof on the ground and was using what's called a winch it's a pulley. And he had the winch rope that was over a 4 by 4 but he had to raise it high enough to get over the 6 by 6 columns which was another good six inches. You can't do it. You just, it's, it's not mechanically possible. But you went in the house. When to make he, coffee. And he came back out, and he had done it. Joseph, yes. the carpenter, had done a miracle. He adjusted reality just for you. Without the help of, uh, well, his son's name is Jose. Jesus, but Jose, what is it? The Spanish pronunciation. Jose. Jose. Say it, Doc. Walt. Jose. Jose. No. Jesus. 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 Yes, he has, his yeah. son is yeah. Jesus, and his his wife is Maria. <laughs> now, you know? okay, so, and and he's doing it supposedly to help him, and because you really. You had this in your thought process. There's a porch there. I need to build it. So it's visible and the cats can use it and I can use it. And this, you manifested this. Uh, Joseph came into the picture 
because you manifested that he would uh, tell you uh, who could build it. And Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were already there because they had moved in a couple years ago now, I think. But this is, Nancy, there's miracles happening all around with this story. This story is a miracle that you manifested and created. I, I'm just so impressed with this, I can't get over it. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it and giggling. You're living a miracle. You created a miracle. Did, well, I'm, do not you- so, I'm not so sure I created it. It's almost like somebody built that wall. Somebody saw this before I saw it. I never saw it. I just, I all of a sudden, I mean... I'll be honest, I got obsessed with it. It's like, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And so then I start making up excuses as to why I need to spend so much money to go through a process where, you know, in another 15 years, I'm probably dead and they'll tear the place down, but they're going to have a bitch of a time taking this down. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you say the slab is bigger bigger than the house? Yeah. house? Yeah, way bigger. It's so at you, least so you, so you okay. The size of the house. Of the house. Oh yeah, there's another ten feet of slab on the side of the house. There was ten feet in the front of the house. There was prop maybe ten feet in the back of the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was probably twelve feet in the back of the house because I built on the back of the house. See, actually, I've actually built this house. Because when I got here, there were walls down, exterior walls, not the exterior, but the interior walls were gone because there was termites, there was flooding, there was all sorts of things. So it's a structure they build with wood and then they put a a mesh on it with uh, tar paper on one side and then they cover it with stucco or cement type of stuff, right? And if you don't put that stucco cement on in exactly the right proportions of water and heat and humidity, which can change by the day, down they 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 get so stilly. The the down in Coral Gables, which is one of the ritziest places in in probably in the world, they had these houses where all of a sudden the entire exterior side of the house would just fall off. It would fall off the frame. So they made it mandatory that if you were going to get a loan for that type of structure, you could only get a 15-year mortgage, not a 30-year mortgage. I never would have gotten a 15-year mortgage. I'd be and right so, there. Okay. So and were they were they multiple owners before you or just one? Well, there apparently, well, it's really kind of hard. There was, okay. Back in the 80s, the Colombians had a very, very uh, good economy. And so a lot of money was put into this area of South Florida by Colombians. So I come along in 86, and by then the economy in Colombia had started to crash. So this property that they had built, now this is what they intended. They had bought my property, and they thought they could buy the property next to me because that was like almost a vacant lot. There were, <laughs> they had had chicken coops that they made into apartments. 
So you had the poor white trash living in these chicken coops that were, I mean, it was like ludicrous. But anyway, so they wanted to buy that. But the guy that actually owned the property wouldn't sell it because he, his grandfather had just left it to him. So his grandfather had left it to him. He had a, a connect. He couldn't sell it. So now they're caught with two pieces of property that they they needed both those properties to build condominiums on, right? And so I mean, there's something so magical, so special about this property that I could go on and on and on about the synchronicities and the weirdness that protected it. Well, but somebody actually at some point must have tried to bring it down because you found that uh, thing made of wood that looked like a like a, an eagle's claw. It was embedded oh, yeah. in the wall. Remember that? Yeah, Remember that? yeah, that was the other thing. After I had bought the 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 house, um, and and gone through a couple of floods, I said, "Oh no, no, this house is not safe at all in floods because they had had floods, but." Not very often and not as high because, again, they started building all over the place. So I got a guy. <laughs> I'm always getting these, finding these guys. Um, I got a guy and I said, we're going to rewire the entire house electric-wise. And I want it all, all of my sockets are up on the wall by four feet. None of them are down on the wall where they can get into flood. They're all up. And so all the wiring, electric wiring, goes into the ceiling, basically. And um, so we had to do this. And I actually took all of the wood that was structurally holding the house together because it was, in some cases, not even there. Termites, everything. I mean, it was a mess. We tore out the old structure that's supposed to be holding it. But they did such an amazing job with the cement it was standing by itself. It didn't need a wooden structure. But I'm going to put a wooden structure in it anyway. So we, as we were putting in the, the wiring, we completely stripped all the wood structure out and put new wood in there. So I'm in the kitchen, and he's working on the bedroom, the one that's the, the where my head is always at, the, that wall right there. And he comes walking into the kitchen, and he's got a – weird look on his face but he's got something in his hand and when i kind of focused on whatever was in his hand i backed up i was like oh my god what has he got i don't know why Derek does that he likes to call me on in this show um so all of a sudden you know it's like there's this thing that he's holding that i, I don't even want to touch but I'm, I said, you know, something made me say, oh, hand it to me, hand it to me. And it was this round wooden disc like you'd taken a sphere and cut it in half. Not even in half. It's like you took the one side of it so that it was like a third of, of the sphere. And in there was a image carved into it of what looked like talions, you know, the, uh, like, a, like an eagle. I thought maybe it was an eagle holding on to it. So it was almost like an eagle claw holding a globe type of thing. And nothing written on it. That was just the, the thing. But it just was holding so much negativity, so much weirdness, so much power that I didn't actually know what to do with it. Except to put it with some other crystals and kind of 
put it in a collection with a lot of crystals that were kind of keeping it in jail, <laughs> basically. And I never looked at it for another, oh, I would say probably close to 15 years or more. And then in December of 20, uh, uh, 2000, in December of 2000, I was here at Christmas time without any family, a friend family. You know, Sandy was gone, Cindy was gone, nobody was around. It was the first time in my life that I was alone at Christmas time. But the place I was working, you always got a week off between Christmas and, and New Year's. So I was having a great time. I was just like, you know, enjoying this property and having a great time. And then all of a sudden I get build a fire. Oh, okay. And I thought they meant build a fire out in the Merkaba. No, they wanted this. I have those, uh, oh, they're like little little fireplaces made out of that um, stuff you make pots out of, pot, uh, planted pots, things that they get, terracotta type of stuff. And so. Well, like, a, like a kiln. Yes, sort of like that. And it was small, you know, so I start this fire. And I'm going like, well, this is a great idea, you know, but we're in some just having a, you know, a fire thing because fire is such incredible energy. And all of a sudden I get a picture of this thing in my head. And I'm going like, oh, what is happening now? And I hear, go get it. Okay. And I had to think about where the heck I'd put it. <laughs> and it took me a bit before I found it. And I go back out to where the fire is. And the fire was even kind of, I had to put some more wood on it. And so I'm going like, okay, here it is. And I really don't even like touching it. I got it down. I mean, I took it and brought it out there, but I didn't even like touching it. And um, so then they said, we need you to jump timelines. And I've told this story innumerable times. T okay, so we're going to jump timelines. And I said, uh, I didn't ask why. I mean, if my guides are going to ask me to do something, I'm a very good soldier. Okay, tell me what my mission is. And But I did ask him. I said, um, I said, why? why? What, what are we doing? Well, there's a very bad timeline, and you need to go there and fix it. And I'm going like, uh, okay, will I be successful? Yes. And I said, will I save everyone? And there was a big hesitation. And they kind of went, yes, <laughs> like that, you know. And uh, I said, so how do we do this? And they said, put it in the fire and burn it. And I said, I'm going to put this in the fire and burn it, and I'm going to change timelines? Yes. And I said, okay. So I threw it in the fire, it burnt up, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going like, am I in the same time frame? I mean, what, something happened, you know. And basically, no, nothing happened, no no major thing, until September 11th, nine months later, nine months later, right? And boom, I was in a different timeline. I was thinking about this earlier. I think that I had been on this, this timeline we're on now, the one that Dolly never left. When I was a kid and we had the John Kennedy assassination, because from that point up until the 90s, 89 precisely, I was a fanatic 
uh, everything that I do now, all of the learning, the, the looking at all the bad stuff, and I was doing, but I was doing it by myself. Nobody else was doing it. We didn't have the internet. It was very, very difficult to find people that even could, you could have a conversation about this stuff. So I think I may have been on this timeline. And then for whatever reason in 89, I went boom over into this other timeline, which is the one of Ascension where everybody was happy. I don't remember thinking about bad stuff. I don't remember watching the news. That wasn't my life. I was in a totally different place. It was all metaphysics. It was crystals. It was minerals. It was doing magical things, building energy devices. You know, and then, like I say, we have this situation that we're talking about because Walt mentioned that particular thing in the wall of the house. And so um, I jumped back to this one. And I, I think that had I not done that, had we not confronted the evil here, that a while back in this timeline, I'm talking about probably 2016. I think Trump made, Trump was the keystone to the to the change. Um, I think that within virtually months of Hillary, who would have won instead of Trump, we would have been where we are right now with nuclear war about to happen with Russia. But because, and it wasn't only me, Christia Cummings-Slack could say the same thing. We talk about this. I was just the kind of person that would listen to my guides and get the details of what was happening. She just on a soul level said, whatever you need me to do. You know, and so all of a sudden, boom, one day she's, she's someplace and, and it's not the same. And you can feel it. It's an energy, the two, the two different energies. But I think that Ascension timeline and this one would have collided somewhere, because I think Hillary would have been, been elected, right around the time that there's death and destruction all over the place, and we would not have, we would not have made it to Ascension. They would have, it would have taken us out. But now we've gone past that, we're still here, we're still fighting, and the other timeline is, is still there. It's like, it's, it's, I can feel it, you know, it's like a, a, a partner, it's like a twin that's running, you know, but I think that not only, I think we couldn't have saved that one if some of us hadn't jumped, jumped to this one. And we had to save Dolly. <laughs> she, that's right. <laughs> I needed rescue desperately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you came to a timeline run by Stooges? Evil. Run by evil. <laughs> yeah, evil. Oh, speaking of Christia, she came and rescued me again. I, I how do I say, I woke up. And Christia was there, and she was saying, you need to wake up, you need to wake up. I woke up, and uh, it was as if there was a very bad entity, an evil entity in my bedroom. And I was just looking at Christia, and she was pulling me toward her. 
And she said, you need to do these things. So she put me through a ritual. And, uh, oh, I got goosebumps. She's with us now. And she said, um, okay, last thing you need to do when you're in the bed, you get the wand that Derek sent you, and we're going to do wand things. So we did wand things. And then I gathered all this stuff up. And shot it out, and I said, I reject you in Jesus Christ's name. I said that three times. She told me say that. And and then she was being pulled away, and I was worried about her and being pulled away. And they said, oh, no, she'll be okay. Whoever was pulling her, she'll be okay, but she has to come with me right now. I said, okay, I love you, Christina. And my room, my room got better. So she saved me a second time. When was the first time? When she came over to this timeline with you. Oh, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's special. For those that don't know, Christia was a host on Say What Show for for many years. And um, she transitioned to the other side rather unexpectedly about, well, just before Christmas. Was it before? Yeah. Was it? I can't remember. I I mean, my mind is just blown. Um, Yeah, she's special. And uh, Infinite, yes, it was last night. It was really strange. Huh. Of course. <laughs> so she's still around. I was thinking. She, she's laughing. I won't leave you guys. Until no. I won't ever leave you. You'll come and join me where I am. <laughs> I can't. I'm excited for that day, Christy. Can I take my porch with me? <laughs> well, you know, no. Because I read a book once, and it was the greatest book. I don't know what the title of it was. This was decades ago. But it was a a psychiatrist that decided that people that seem to see ghosts and talk to dead people and mediumship and all this was a bunch of crap, and she was going to blow it out of the water. So she starts investigating this stuff and ended up becoming a believer. (laughs) But, no, I guess it was a guy. I guess it was a guy. And, but, I don't know, girl, guy, I don't know, because it was just one of those very funny situations because she began to tell stories that I had certainly never heard. And one of them was the concept of everything that has been built in this plane, even if it is destroyed, The Im- I'm just thinking about the porching, the image is still there. So when, um, and and the reason I thought that that was probably true was um, when Arthur Ford died, Ruth Montgomery and he were good friends. These are old timers, probably you don't know their names, but. I read every one every one of Ruth Montgomery's books. Yeah, and um, Art was actually lived here in Miami. So when he passed over, she was. They made an agreement that whoever passed over first would try to tell the other what what the, what they were encountering. 
And what Ruth w- had found from his his messaging to her is that he was uh, in this place and he had to go to some classes, like, you know, classes. And he went into this big building that was like a like something out of Greek, ancient Greece. And he asked about it and he was told, yes, all of the buildings, all of the sacred buildings, all, <clears throat> all of the buildings that meant something to somebody never disappear. They're always there. So this whoever wanted to build this porch is the manifester, not me. That's what I wanted to say about the porch. I would certainly like to meet him. Someday I will, I suspect. Probably, well, I could have been me in another lifetime. He says <laughs> that we can have the the porch when we're all together. And we can <laughs> sit there and have a good time. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's a special it's a special little thing that's out there. But the, like I say, this whole property and this property has got vortexes. Like the one that is okay, we've got the Merkaba that, you know, links us to Atlantis and a whole other but the ley lines, it's centered it's a central point to the ley lines and stuff. But there's another vortex that connects that property at that point to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If you see, the ley lines are much more complicated than people think. They think that they're on the surface. Well, they're on the surface, but they're also above the surface. And they also make energetic connections that would be like right through the through the other side of the world. It's like a a ball that isn't just a skin of a ball. It's got fibers going all through it that connects everything. And one of these things is a connection directly from that point to Jerusalem. And the reason that I know that is uh, back in the 90s, um, I was like, okay, we got a job. <laughs> it's like they come to me and they say, we got a job. Come on, come on, come on. And they start giving me directions. And I just don't question the directions. I don't say, oh, I'm losing my mind or, I, you know, okay, all right, hey, where are we going? And they have me go out into the part of the yard that we used a lot. But that particular area was, we didn't do anything except walk by it. And they're like, no, right here, right here. And I had to take a um, a pipe that I had, this kind of a magical pipe. It's it, I've used it for other energy work. And it's about four inches uh, wide, and it's copper, solid copper, and it's about uh, three and a, yeah, it's probably more like four feet in length. And I had to put it in the ground exactly in that spot. Okay, all right. So what are we doing? <laughs> you know. And so then they they were like, okay, now they they wanted me to go into a completely. Uh, some people would call it a meditative state, but to me, it's just a blank mind. Don't think, just don't think, okay? Because we're going to send you pictures. It's basically that they're sending me pictures uh, instead of kind of like directions. They're showing me something. It's like a screen. And what was happening is that there was a, I don't know who they were. I mean, I I didn't figure that out. I didn't even ask about it. I, I try not to ask any questions when I'm seeing this stuff. But there was somebody that was in the etheric kind of a body not the 3d type that you know but this extra energy body and it was like 
I, hundreds, thousands, I don't know. There was a lot of people that were teleporting to Jerusalem. Energy, energy, like evil energy coming from someplace and teleporting to, to, to Jerusalem. And um, they've got me on this vortex that connects me directly to, to, apparently the vortex that I had was inter, intersecting this vortexing thing that they were using to get into Jerusalem. And they just said to me, stop it, say no. And I said, okay, no. Boom! It was like like a wall had gone up, and they just crashed into the wall, and um, that was the end of that. <laughs> so, it's break time. It's break time. Oh, we haven't done the break yet? Oh, darn. <laughs> Let's do Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It seems like that would be the one tonight, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Where you find me, oh, 
received a great many emails of late expressing a dysfunction okay so we're back to say what i was talking to jose um welcome to the second hour of the cosmic reality radio show it's march 21st 2023 my name is nancy hopkins and with me is walt silva and dolly howard so when do you want to talk to me I was, I was I'm so, so glad, glad about, about your, your Yosa, Yosa, your miracle. <laughs> I, I'm anxious to see, I know we're echoing, I'm anxious to see, what stop, who all is going to come to that porch? That porch is a very special porch in a very special spot on this earth. Uh, it's fantastical. It's, a, it, it's special. And now when it gets built, I am excited to see who's going to come on that porch. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> because another vortex right outside the porch about... Oh, I'd say 50 feet from the porch is another vortex. And that vortex, you could actually see a path. Now, it's forest. It's pine forest there. Okay. And so you'd see this like critters were, it was a pathway for critters or something. You know, it was like you could see it. And yet there wasn't anything except trees. Where's everybody going? And it was, it would look like end. It wasn't like you could follow this and walk through the pine trees. No, it went into the pine tree area and then just the path ended. And so I realized that there was some kind of a vortex there the day that I was uh, here with a. Well, actually, she was a very well known at the time, again, the 90s uh, psychic who supposedly was talking to ETs. But she was one of the people that started up the psychic telephone thing there, business. And she had come to Miami to buy, she was looking to buy the crystal shop that was where I met everybody in the business. I mean, it was like that was the place to go. But the woman who owned it, Crystal, she was having marital problems and felt that she had to move. Stop what she was doing and move. I don't know why people do that, but she did it. And so she was selling it to Brenda. And so Brenda was staying with me. I didn't know her except, you you know, because of this Crystal thing. So she's staying with me. (laughs) And one day we're just sort of like swapping stories and showing each other She's remember she's coming from Atlanta, so she didn't have many crystals with her or anything. But she did have this this one rock. What was it? It was more like a rock, and it was um, about two inches square and not quite square. You know, one side was a little less than the other, but it was this black rock. And she 
she's telling me the story before she actually she goes back to retrieve the rock and as she's going back to her suitcase and stuff and she's talking to me she said okay the story behind this is really weird she said that this guy went down to the pyramids in mexico and i not sure which one it was but i've always kind of thought it was uh oh the one right outside mexico city that begins with a t well you probably know what it is and what you mean the teotihuacan one yeah yeah that one i think it might have been that pyramid but he was in that area looking at the pyramid and he found this rock and he knew everybody's told don't take anything but he was compelled to take it, put it in his pocket, took it back to Chicago. So he's in Chicago and he gets all freaked out about it. So it reminded me of stories that of people that take lava rocks from Hawaii and then have to send them back because they get bad energy and stuff. So anyway, he gets all freaked out and he gives it to a friend of his that's a crystal collector and mineral person. And she says, uh, she was on her way, she was moving. And so she said, all right, I'll take it. And she just stuck the thing in a box of all sorts of minerals and things. And she moved from Chicago to Atlanta. So she's a few months in and she hasn't opened all the boxes. And she finally opens up the box that this rock is in. And it was full of crystals that were all shattered. Everything was shattered. These are crystals. You don't shatter crystals in a box that's not damaged. So she gets freaked out. So she says to Brenda, I don't know what this thing is. I think it, it tells her the history of it. And she, you know, I don't know what this is, but you better take it because I can't. I, I'm so, you know, okay. So Brenda takes it, but she's on her way to Miami. So instead of putting it in her crystal collection in Atlanta or whatever, she just sort of dropped it in her purse and forgot about it until after she was here and she finds it. Now she's bringing it out to show me. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and she opens up her hand and she shows me this rock. And it was like, it was like I got, I just want to point out that this is the cosmic reality show. The genre is reality sci-fi. So don't get all weirded out. I'm not going crazy. We're talking about reality sci-fi. <laughs> so it's like this, this black rock thing she's got in her hand smacked me right in the head. I mean, it was like I actually physically, my head went back. And I, what the hell? And then all of a sudden, I'm getting all this messaging in my head, and I've got to go get this thing, and i got to get that thing. And I'm going like, what's happening? And so I, I take these three rocks, different things, ruby, and I don't even remember what it was now. And I put them together, and boom, another burst of this crazy-ass energy. And I go out of body. I go around the world. I'm looking at different monuments. Different. I'm, I mean, uh, I didn't go around the world. I'll take that back. I was going into uh, parts of the southern uh, U.S. and into uh, Central and South America. I mean, I was out there where that Jesus thing is in Brazil. Is it Brazil? Um you know, I mean, it was like I'm flying all over the place and, and I'm looking, I'm above it and I'm looking and there's energetic flashes of energy, not like lightning. It was energetic. Boom, 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 boom. And the whole grid system seemed to be moving and being realigned. 
So finally, I like, boom, I land back in my body and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I look at her and I go, did you go on a, a journey? And she said, oh, my God. She said, I was all over the world. I said, were you in, down in the south? No, she said, no, I was in Japan. And so she had taken another route and went the other half of the world, the globe. And she could explain where she was. And she said she saw the, the grid line squirreling and doing weird things, too. And so, oh, my God, man, I was exhausted. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so strange. I wonder, what is this rock? What did the, you know, and then all of a sudden I went, oh, we're not finished yet. She said, what do you mean? And I said, open your mind. You're going to be led to get crystals or something. And we're going outside. So I pick up whatever they're telling me to take. I go outside. We ended up making a grid system out in front of the porch, right where that, oh, probably about maybe to the to the north of where that vortex was, but, but the vortex was very close to us. And putting down this grid system, and I mean, to the point that they had me going out into the yard, I would buy a big old rock and bring it home and be told to put it someplace and I'd leave it and never see it again. Couldn't remember it was there. They were leading me to these things. They had me and, and they weren't making me move them. They were wanting me to know that all I'd been doing for all of these years of putting stones in the yard that I never saw again was because I was building this huge grid system. I even got on the phone and called Sandy. I said, I don't know what the hell we're doing here, but we're doing something. I said, you're going to get messaging, bring whatever they tell you. And so she came over and she had stuff and she added it to the grid. And then Brenda, Brenda says to me, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And and Sandy hadn't gotten there yet. She's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm going like, what, what's the matter with a space brother, space brother? I see. And she's pointing, right? And I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm focused on what I'm doing. And she keeps, and she was really starting to freak out. And I, <clears throat> so I look up, and there's a, a tall gray type being that was standing in the vortex. And so she's, and it's just somebody's supposed to talk to ETs, and she's freaking out. And I, uh, I said to her, I said, you obviously have not looked at the sky. And she said, huh, huh. And I said, look up at the sky. And she looked up. And she went, oh my God, because the sky was full of lights that shouldn't have been there. You don't see the stars in this area like that. They were bright lights. If you didn't know what you were looking at, you'd probably think, oh, look at the stars. But no, these were hundreds, hundreds, I would say, of space vehicles. No, I won't say hundreds. I'll say up to under 100, okay? But there was dozens and dozens and dozens of space vehicle vehicles. And when Sandy got there, I just pointed to the sky. She looked up and she went, whoa, that's interesting. Because <laughs> she's lived on this property for a while, too. We we know about reality sci-fi. So, yeah, that's that story. I got a lot of stories. <laughs> Holly, do you have something? Oh, uh, yeah, let me get my phone on. Let's see. Thanks for sharing all of what you shared. Thank you, thank you. Oh, I wanted to uh, point out that when the reporters are reporting, like on Fox News, and they say, oh, reporting from the White House, 
Well, we know they're in front of a screen. I noticed the person that was walking on the screen behind the reporter. That's the same person that walks the same the same way every time. It was proven to me that that is a screen of some sort. I don't know if it's holographic or what, but it's they are not standing in front of the White House. And I'm glad because it's been really cold lately for them. Uh, so wanted to point that out. And uh, How many people do you think are in the conspiracy? Oh, good Lord. The, I mean, because it seems like everybody. Thousands, yeah. Yeah, everybody. There's got to be thousands at the minimum. Yes, absolutely. Lots and lots and lots. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting when they're able to all come out and say what they've been doing and what they've really been wanting to share with us but haven't been able to. And That'll be interesting. I'll enjoy that. Um, Another thing I wanted to... Oh, no, I'll say that. Um, This morning you were saying how angry you got, and uh, uh, someone else was saying, oh, and Derek got so angry, and someone in in the chat room was saying that they had gotten. Ryan. Orion. Oh, yeah. He had gotten so angry. And I threw in there, um, now this is hard to do. You got to practice this. When you feel yourself getting all angry and pissed off and your your top is smoking, and try to remember to stop and think and throw out a love blanket rather than the anger. And you will be surprised what comes back at you. It'll help to calm you down. But it it's going to take work for you to change that habit. Uh, so just try to replace the anger with love. Absolutely. Um, I wanted, excuse me, I wanted to ask, what is a banana republic? I hear a lot. Of people saying that now. Uh, people are saying there's no sound on their end oh. before you could continue. Uh oh. Is Nancy there? I hope so. I wonder if that's why we don't have any sound. Oh. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just trying to find out. Oh no, we're on here. Who's who is it? One person who's dropped no, out. No, two people. No, two people. Two. Jasmine and a guest. Oh, Infinite is saying sound back, but then Enray is saying no sound here. Okay, so can you type into into the um, sound yeah. is back? Jasmine, oh. sound is back. Guest, okay. yes, sound die back. Is back. <laughs> okay, somebody type into the chat that if you lose sound like that, 
um, it may be that your player is dropped out. And that's something happening with the station and the Internet. And if that happens, you might have to turn your player off and then hit it again to turn it on. But um, so, but everybody's hearing it now? Yeah. Is refreshing the browser uh, refreshes the player as well or just the player? Yeah, yes, player. yes, it does. You can do that. Sometimes you have to do that because sometimes it, it the, the, just working with the player doesn't work right, you know? And um, okay, I I need to repeat the anger thing. Okay. Um, on Shanghai show, Nancy was telling a story how she got so freaking angry. Derek got freaking angry. Orion got freaking angry. I gotta say the freaking because it means it's extra special angry. And my suggestion was you have to practice this. Um, I have to practice this, not you necessarily, but I have to practice. When I get so angry uh, that I just want to blow my top, I have to stop myself and remember, throw them a love blanket. Throw out a love blanket to whoever you're angry with or the situation you're angry with. Throw out the love blanket because you'll be surprised what comes back and hits you. It's more, it, it, it's a calming factor uh, that will come back at you. So uh, I was just pointing out and trying to suggest doing the love blanket for anger too. Uh, let me see. Well, oh, what's a banana republic? You don't know what a banana republic is? I might have at one time, Walt, but you know how <laughs> my mind forgets stuff. Well, it's been a cultural thing here in the U.S. for the longest time. The banana republic is the term they use to uh, represent these, uh, especially in tropical countries, all these Latin America, in Colombia, uh, Peru, all, all these countries with tropical countries where they you know they they call it a banana republic because that's part of their uh, uh, crops they cultivate with bananas but they, they they they're referred to as such because they are so unstable and they're always under some kind of military process and they always have one revolution after another so that's why they call it a banana republic uh, oh. a, a place run by like like Argentina, it's when I was still living in Argentina. I remember there was a. I went to a, a, an institute where I, I want my parents didn't want me to forget my English, so I kept studying English even even though I, I you know after I went back. And I remember one of the um, in one of the lectures, uh, there was a lady. She was an American teacher. And uh, she spoke about that, that, about the thing is that in the United States, people have this belief that uh, Latin American countries are banana republics because they are so, you know, it's like one revolution after another. You know, it's a nonstop, you know, they, they get a military process, 
then there's a revolution and they become civilian again and then the civilians get overthrown by the military and, and, and so on it goes on and on back and forth back and forth like uh, a, a perfect example is the the big mess that done in venezuela where you know it's one of venezuela's if the if if, if ever you want evidence of what the cabal does, how they go about destroying countries, I mean, for the, for many, many, for decades, Venezuela was like one of the wealthiest countries in South America. It was even so, it was so well, well off economically, people wanted to go there instead of going coming to the United States. In fact, at one point, my father toyed around with the idea of moving to Venezuela, but when he started asking around, the level of uh, uh, adversity is almost impossible. You know, all the all the red tape and all the conditions you had to meet. No, they didn't. They didn't want you know just anybody to move in there. I mean, there was one of the wealthiest countries, and they get reduced that down to nothing. You've seen what they've done. You where they, where they were they were made uh, made a show of. You know, they, they were claiming all these people from Venezuela, all these uh, massive, uh, what is it, uh, remember the, when they were saying that there were, all these people were going to amass against the frontier, you know, the, this mass of uh, immigrants was going to be walking. You know, it was all a manipulation, obviously, but they were saying that these these were all immigrants from Venezuela and all these countries. And, but uh, that's a banana republic for you, a republic where they raise bananas. And I don't know why there's a, a store with that name in New York. I remember when they opened the, the, the chain of stores, Banana Republic. I don't know if it was a joke from the designer who, who came up with that, with that uh, name for a clothing store. Think of the Biden administration, <clears throat> excuse me, as a banana republic, except they don't grow bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> they are awful. Yes. But I'm not as upset about them anymore. I just, since last Wednesday when we had that super change, I haven't been so uptight. Um, people try to say, oh, did you see other? It doesn't phase me at all. Where it used to phase me. But it doesn't anymore. Thank goodness. I'm in a calm place. That's good for everybody. <laughs> um, is it, we're, remember, we have to, we're settling in the new, a new energy space. So it makes perfect sense that you lose lose uh, track of your emotional state. Yeah. We, we, I mean, it gets to the point where you don't know which way is up. But like I said to Nancy, uh, when I told her, <laughs> when she was telling me the story of how she forgot the name of her dog, and I said, well, it's when it happens, it's that kind of damn scary, isn't it? You're desperately trying to find the words for something, and it, and nothing comes out. You you don't know what's going on if you're <laughs> if your if your mainframe is having a meltdown or something. <laughs> right, and that happens to me, but it happened to me all the time before. I I've had that issue since 
I had the first stroke. Uh, I have trouble with words. And then the English language doesn't help. Kids and I were talking about it recently. Uh, like, uh, red. How do you spell red? Oh, you can spell it R-E-D or you can spell it R-E-A-D. I spell read. R-E-A-D. Well, remember, I mean, English is not a phonetic language, so it's okay. Huh? Spanish, Spanish is a phonetic language, means that you speak what you write. But that's not the case with, uh, with English. English is not a phonetic language. You don't say what you write. There, there aren't, the, the rules of spelling are relayed orally. Like when, you, when you, you, you're teaching spelling on two children, you relay it orally, but you don't uh, speak what you write. No, there's, a, there's no rules for that. English is not a phonetic language. Spanish, for example, I'll give you an example of phonetic language, uh, German. In German, um, my father loved uh, uh, learning it because it was so, so much like Spanish. You, you write exactly what you pronounce. You, there's no deviation. It's a phonetic language. English, not, there's no set rules. <laughs> There's a few, a few spelling rules, you know, like A before E and all that stuff, but that's just basic stuff. It's not a phonetic language. But I did learn English by phonetics. We had a little stick uh, up and down with a perpendicular thing, and we would go down. Uh, a is A, uh, A, B is B. And That's okay for kids, but not for you. Well, I still use it, Well, I still <laughs> do pho phonetics um, to figure words out. Be exactly, because English is not a phonetic language. Because <laughs> what? Because English is not a phonetic language. You don't pronounce what you write. That's why you have to use uh, assistive, ass an, an assistive device or an assistive tool. So many uh, uh, words are pronounced the same way, but they're not written the same way. It's not a phonetic language. Like you just use the example. The, of the whole word. language isn't phonetic. Exactly. Yeah. Like okay. you just said the, exam the example of red and red. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. And in fact, that's one of the criticisms that people from Spain have of us Spanish-speaking people, like in the in the Americas, they criticize us because we don't pronounce in in Spanish. You're supposed to be pronounce the letter B like in boy, and the letter V like in vote. You're supposed to differentiate them, pronounce them correctly. Uh, in in South America, we kind of flatten the words and we use the same Bs. So they they make fun of us. They say we talk like babies. Because babies don't, don't differentiate in the beginning and they're learning to speak. They don't differentiate the, the different letters. You're supposed to differentiate the letter S from the letter C and the, the letter Z. You have, you're supposed to differentiate the letter B like in vote and the B like in boy. You're supposed to pronounce all the letters. But we, we're lazy that way. They, 
Yeah, Spanish-speaking people from Argentina, at least. <laughs> well, I've noticed I'm getting lazier and lazier in speaking <laughs> because I, I'm so used to talking telepathically to Dave and all those beings like that. I, I really have gotten pretty lazy in my wow. speaking. Yeah, I have to make myself. Now, say the last three words, Dolly. <laughs> but, well, I, <clears throat> that text thing in the telephone, you know, I, I talk into it. Apparently, I don't say, I say gonna. I didn't know I said gonna or going to. <laughs> but it, it hears it every time. And there's a few others, but like that, you know, and I'm going like, well, uh, you know, because... You, you, well, I took speech, and you're you're kind of taught to really think about enunciation and you know getting all the words out and da da da. And I'm going, boy, I've gotten lazy <laughs> over the years. <laughs> I hear you. Good speech, but not as lazy as a baby. <laughs> I, I I'm agreeing with a. Uh, Dolly's and I sometimes my biggest obstacle is uh, accents. There are some accents that I just have the hardest time, like southern accents. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Eric uh, has a th this friend of his that's um, a psychic lady, and uh, she has such a thick southern accent. I have the hardest, I have to, I actually keep craning my neck to change the angle of my head so I can hear better. So I can make out what is it she's trying to say. So it's just such a thick accent, this the southern way of pronouncing letters and words. Very very hard on my ears. <laughs> I when, I, when I was in college, I had a friend that was from Boston and a friend that was from Buffalo, and I had to translate for them. Oh, they couldn't oh, wow. understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those Buffalo people really, really have an accent. It's hard to understand. I had a lady who was, uh, I forgot, was she one of my counselors? Oh, she was in a group I was in, and she was from Boston. Boston. I can't even say it. Boston. And she had such a heavy accent I I really couldn't understand her I had to have somebody translate and uh, one time she came and she said I just heard myself somebody videotaped or recorded my voice and I heard how I sound to everybody else she says I apologize <laughs> and now I understand why Dolly can't understand me <laughs> I was surprised from uh, you guys have heard you must have seen the videos of that um, there's a group that they have a website and they do this uh, uh, remote viewing thing and one of the uh, viewers is this man from Australia and now for the first time ever I, I never had an issue uh, understanding people from Australia to me it sounds Lena perfectly understandable accent, but I don't know from where in Australia this gentleman is. His accent is so thick, they actually put subtitles in the video on YouTube because you can't understand what he's saying. 
if you read the subtitles, you can oh you can make a, okay this is what he's saying. But if you try to make it out by ear, no, you you don't know what he's saying. So I, I don't know if they, it's a specific part of Australia where they have the uh, a more a different kind of accent. It's probably somebody from another world that <laughs> didn't quite get the uh, human voice down right. <laughs> Uh, Lord. So, what else you guys got? Dolly, you, list, you still got more on your list? Let me see. Hold on. I've got... Oh. Manif I got two things. Manifestation, I have noticed. Uh, I've been watching your manifesting the porch. And, uh... Manifestation is happening so fast now that I can think of something and before my thought is done, it's already there. Can you give an example? Uh, oh, like I was texting Russell and I heard a noise in my bedroom door and I turn around there he was standing right there and he's because he, he had told me that he was on his way home and if it would take like 15 or 20 minutes for him to get home so I thought well I really I want him to stop and do pick some grocery stuff so I wanted to get the uh text done before he got here well he was here right then I said how'd you get here so fast he said what do you mean I just drove my normal speed I said but did you did you say that when you were leaving and he said yeah oh no that happened really fast or or uh well I got another interpretation because you wanted to have him pick something up, and he didn't want to do it. So he was the one that manifested, <laughs> I'm going to get home before she gets there. <laughs> Either way, it happened fast. <laughs> something like that. Or, or I'll be thinking of somebody, and they, they're texting me while I'm thinking of them. Oh, wow. And it's not like the deja vu. Deja vu is different, uh, but I can't. Those are not good examples. I wish I could think of a good example to tell you, but I can't right now. I'm sorry. I'm getting tired. If I think of it, I'll tell you later. So, Walter, do you have anything interesting? You, you were listening to Janine. What else did she say that might have been important? Uh, no, only those two things. The, the, the other thing that I saw yesterday, the uh, I watched the entire uh, show, was the Exopolitics with uh, Michael Sala. He, he, show, he had a show, um, I think it was an hour and a half, it, the title of it was Ending the Century-Long Suppression of Alternative Healing, Free Energy, and Anti-Gravity Technologies. So 
it was interesting that because I started watching it on YouTube. And as soon as he starts talking, they, as soon as they start discussing the first talking point in what they're trying to, in what they're saying, YouTube uh, uh, disintegrated the image and actually uh, a seal showed up in the screen that says, uh, uh, it's, um, what do you call it when they, when they block text? Is a, what is the word they censored, use? Censored. Censored. This is censored content. So Michael Sala interrupts interrupts the video and says because because uh, YouTube is cen is censoring the content. You you please uh, proceed to my Rumble channel where you can see the entire content. So I, I, that was the first time I've seen that. I've i never seen any of his videos being being censored at all. And it was really interesting because he he's uh, there with uh, Dan Willis. Uh, he's he spent you know decades researching alternative uh, healing energy and propulsion technologies. He's uh, worked with um, uh, what is the name of this doctor? The one with the glasses, uh, Greer. He's worked with him. So they he actually. Um, set up a timeline starting from the 1870s how this whole uh, medical establishment manipulation started you know the control of the of the narrative how they uh, blocked and censored all all kinds of me medical uh, mode except drugs so these he little by little he goes through all the years like for example in the in the 50s um there was a a, a publication that was called young science or something like that and they actually spoke at length inside this publication how they were going to be bringing uh, gravity engines so you were you are not going to depend on internal combustion engines because there were there were all these plans to real roll out these gravity engines and so you, you would have cars that would be uh, traveling above the ground not touching the ground but it got it disappeared overnight one moment it was there and the next moment it wasn't there so they've been hiding the technology for for a uh, hundred years keeping us in the dark we should already have flying cars and all of that stuff. So it was a really interesting show. Like I said, it was a, 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 an hour and a half long, like when they were discussing, for example, the uh, alternative healing technologies. They talked about Dr. Gerson, who spoke about healing based on nutrition and how the, the normal doctors get no, little, almost nothing when it comes on the way when it comes to nutrition, they they know nothing of nutrition, and this the Gerson went around healing people just by changing the nutrition, and they actually they tried to kill him with a strychnine, he healed himself from it, and then they tried it again and they were succeed they succeeded and they blamed him oh he died of cancer, you know he, he met the doctor's daughter and said it was. To add insult to injury, they they accused him that he died of cancer. He didn't die of cancer. He was just poisoned. But uh, he told the story of his own Dan Willis's own mother. Uh, she was 
uh, outrage because when the doctor that she went to said that she had a melanoma on her face and he wanted to excise the tissue of the face so she the woman's half of the face would be removed including the the eye and she was kind of shocked that they would that, that that's this is what they want the doctor wanted it, unless uh, either that they cut you know the solution is to go under the knife or drugs so he took his mother to uh, Baja California, uh, according uh, so it sounds like it's in Mexico, and uh, the, it's a, there's a seven-story building there. And when he made a deal with the with the doctor, the, the director there, they would treat his mother, and in turn he would set up a, a computer network in the building. So that's they did a trade, and uh, when she came back to the states. Her uh, doctor was not too happy because he didn't couldn't find a trace of uh, cancer, and she lived to be 91 years old. And all that's all that's all she all she did it was all juicing. No, and no, she kept her face. Yeah, and she kept her face. So it's it's amazing that all he had a ton of stories about you know all the the medical establishment. He spoke about a uh, rife. Oh, it's a very interesting. Dan Willis, he owns and ha he has and uses a Spooky Two device. So that's the that's the one he that's the version of the Rife technology that he uses. Uh, he spoke at for the first time he spoke at length uh, as to how medbeds are supposed to work because I never heard anyone else. They 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 say that it does all the things that it does, how it heals you, but he actually went at depth uh, at explaining the process and that it says the the way that it works is that it, it it's accessing the morphological field of the human body because the the body we are our body that we we see so solid is actually like a holograph and and he says if you if you just go back in if you go back in in the in the sequence of the of those, think of it as the um, frames in a film. If you go back, you, if you go back on on the frames, you go back to a different time in the film. The same thing happens when you when you go back in time with a body like the, those guys that do uh, the twenty year and back thing, where they dial back the time of the body. It's just that's exactly how they do it. They go they go back. And they they spliced onto your uh, um, hologram uh, at uh, your the holograph of your body at an earlier time when you were younger, stronger, healthy. So that's that's how you repair the body. You don't have to bother doing anything to it in order to change it. All you're doing is you're uh, adjusting the holograph to a time when the body was stronger and and younger. So you don't. You, so you can rejuvenate anybody. Yeah, you don't have to use drugs to do that. It's just a matter of changing the energy. So well, wasn't that the same technology that Randy Kramer was referencing? He's yeah. a super soldier that did yeah. the 20, uh, exactly. twenty year thing, yeah, and he exactly. said he said that if you, your brain was still working, they could rebuild your entire body. This is on Mars. He was stationed on Mars. Yep, yep. He did the 20 year and back thing. 
But I'm talking about the, the rebuild of a body. Yeah. You know, if your brain is still working, then theoretically the blueprint, I think of it as a blueprint of your body, what it's supposed to be. And Randy Kramer did one 20 year and back program. This other O'Connor, this other gentleman uh, interviewed by Michael Sala, he did three of those things. He went back three times. So what else did they say? So, well, according to the the way that they're presenting the data and everything they say, it's it's like, it's a a soon to be released thing. If he's openly, I know that YouTube, you know, censored him, but if they're if if they're censoring him for the first time, that means that he's a lot closer than <laughs> he sounds. So they're they're at the verge of releasing all this technology, you know, all the transport. Because uh, one of the, the things about um, uh, Dan Willis, he gave information that I wasn't aware of. Because if you remember, Maria Maria Court. Uh, what was her last name? Korsik? Or no, Orsic. Maria Orsic. She was a member of the Brill Society in Germany. They, she and her group of psychics were the one who were getting telepathic data from the Aldebaran system. And all their information that they got when they wrote it down, it was all in cuneiform. The same writing technique that the uh, Babylonians had so with the information that she she channeled from these people they were able to they mastered uh, uh, anti-gravity but I, I didn't know this prior to this show I did I wasn't aware of this that Tesla was in communication with Maria Orsic because they were both uh, Tesla was Croatian and so was she I always wondered that she didn't have a German last name was she wasn't German. So uh, they corresponded back and forth because they they both were um, knowledgeable in anti-gravity and even even Tesla developed a device that was that was actually stolen by the FBI and they they they, they gave the inventor a letter saying uh, that uh, this 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 uh, invention is too dangerous because it could uh, it could um, uh, the destroy the monetary system. It could uh, it could interfere with a the whole you know some bull- bullshit. They just did it because it, they didn't want uh, anti gravity to be open and known by to the entire public. So that was really that you know that was interesting and and he shows. The anti-gravity was mastered by more than one uh, source. I mean, the uh, Germans had it in the 40s. Uh, then you Tesla did his own thing. Uh, for example, an- another thing is that he said is like Maria Orsic was not part of the fanatical Nazis, the ones that were into world domination. They were more into into education and training. That's why when you you remember uh, Billy Meyer, the Swiss guy who was uh, in communication with these extraterrestrials that supposedly were Pleiadians, not Pleiadians, but they 
refer to themselves as plagiarians. And remember that he he used to talk with this blonde girl named named Samjasin. Well, it turns out that Samjasin is Maria Orsic. <laughs> she just changed her name because he says they live over a long time. They they even though she's decades and decades old, she still she still looks hot. <laughs> so, you know, she has the she has the knowledge, you know, of ex life extension. So she's still around. Uh, well, we know all all of it's going to be revealed because Trump said that one of his agendas was flying cars. <laughs> yeah, there, there you have it. You know, and who's he? He's John Trump's nephew. And who's John Trump? The guy that got all the Tesla papers when he died in the yeah. New Yorker in New York City. So uh, according to Michael, I know that some people disagree with Michael Sala, but uh, I. I I will tell you the truth. I did not. That was the. Let me. That was it right now. Since I'm saying this, oh no, it's already six fifty. But let me see. Was he saying the truth about Maria Orsic? Yeah, he was, he was saying the truth about Maria Orsic. She, like Tesla, is was from Venus. He wasn't. He wasn't. He's not a soul from Earth. The same goes with her. She came here from the, she was a plant from the Galactic Federation to begin kind of changing the history. That's why she was not part of the fanatical Nazis. The fanatical Nazis were the ones associated with the Sakaar Empire, the reptilians. They were the ones that were kicked out. Okay, then with that, we're gonna <clears throat> have to be ending this show. Excuse me there. Um, there's no more uh, tool sounds. Is he is he done for the day? Well, you know, I'm wondering because I didn't hear the gate buzzer go off. So I'm not sure if he's left the yard, but if the gate buzzer <laughs> didn't go off, that's going to bother me. Because that that's a very important thing. I need to get another maybe, one. Maybe he has he's a flying Joseph. carpet. He is what? Joseph. Yeah, he uses a flying carpet. Doesn't need to bother you with a gate. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> You're living in this magical time right now, place. <laughs> yes, we are. We're all on a magical planet. Yeah. Well, especially you. Yeah, especially me. <laughs> Only because, you know, that was my job. Go live <laughs> in this magical place and have magical experiences and then tell the world. Yeah. Who will think you're crazy, but uh, some of them are going to believe you, and they're going to have their own magical worlds. Anyway, say good night to the people out there, please. Good night, people. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did tonight. I love you all. Good, good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us. And I hope we kept you entertained or at least interested. <laughs> Good night. And tomorrow at noon is Radio 5G, and it's going to be uh, an hour of Mark Steele. It's, he's he, haven't talked to him in a while. This is a tape uh, with another person interviewing him, but he's 
he never fails to give you some stuff that's scary, but he tells you the truth about the spiritual war and why we're going to win it. Be safe, everybody. Preaching, preaching, the unknown, unknown, unknown. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart as a man.